0: Back to the beat. Bulls beat continues with Derek Sharp.
1: Got him away from the track for a second with uh, Eric Jenkins, whose team has been, well, getting some people's attention, including mine and a lot, for what they've done so far in this indoor season. Just coming back from Boston, where I'm guessing the weather was a little bit more chilly than it is on this as we're taping this on a Wednesday. But, Coach, before we get to that, I know you had – Familiar name, Romaine Beckford, be uh, Athlete of the Week, and then you follow that up with one of your young ladies uh, in Louisville. So before we get to Boston, first of all, thanks for joining me, and secondly, the
2: lead-up to Boston, uh, would would you sum that up for us? You alluded to Boston being cool. Boston was very cold, Um, (laughs) very, very cold. Our kids – we're doing things like I'm going to walk outside just to see what real cold is. And I was like, well, you got it this weekend. So it didn't last very long. We had a lot of people who jogged very quickly. Some ran to the buses. So uh, that's always good, including the coaches. We had one coach who decided to, uh, you know, kind of ease his way out. And about four or five steps, he went to a jog, and then he went to a sprint. So, oh, you got to say who that is. Oh, uh, I don't want to call uh, him out. But right. Let's just say he doesn't normally run. Uh, so uh, that that's the kind of weather we had in Boston. But. I know who you're talking about. Very, very excited <laughs> uh, for the kids. Uh, we've had a few uh, solid outings um, for us. Uh, obviously, Romaine started the year off well for us at Gainesville, um, you know, moving up, taking the school record uh, in the high jump, moving them to the top four spots within the country uh, in that event. Uh, then we followed it up in Louisville, go up and have some pretty good runs. we write right off a couple of school records. Then Neil Robinson sets uh well actually sorry, she's second on the list all time, but she was number eight in the country in the long jump with a jump of six point four two meters, which is over twenty one feet. And then this weekend we split the uh weekend on Friday we go to Harvard, have some good things go on there, a lot of people win events, uh move up on the USF all time list and then uh we go over to Boston the following day and break quite a few school records, so it was a good weekend for us. You know, you mentioned Nia, and you sort of
1: hesitated when you were calling exactly where she slots on the list. i got to ask you, who's in charge of that? Because they're very busy these days, getting out the where they rank and when, and how long the school records
2: uh, existed before one of your new members broke them. Well, between uh, Coach Griffiths and the media staff here, they do a good job of trying to get it updated fairly quickly, and we want to keep having them work quickly, yes. um, you know, and having folks move up the – NCAA list because we want to have representation at the NCAA meet. The NCAA meet is the hardest meet in the country, and I would probably say the hardest meet in the world to make from a qualification standpoint. They take the top 16 individuals uh, and top 12 relays in the country, mm-hmm. and usually those people are from all over the world. So if you can make the NCAA championships, then you pretty much can make any meet in the world, and it's that good. I saw
1: one of the many tweets from the USF cross-country and track and field account that mentioned where your women's long jumpers are right now two in the country as a group. How does how does that work as far as ranking somebody
2: as a group? Yeah, the other school uh, that tends to have a, a pretty cool logo that looks similar. It's got some horns on it too. Uh, they're number one in the country. but I mean, they're, they're number one this week, but last week we were number one in the country. Okay. So we're number two after this weekend. Um, but I think that's a testament to the work of Coach Romero Henry and what he's doing. His first year he came here and he took Shania Benjamin to the NCAAs and finished 10th in the NCAAs as a true freshman. Uh, and for this year uh, him to have uh, arguably one of the best uh, jumps groups in the country uh, says a lot about his dedication, his recruiting, and his ability to be able to manage that group. So uh, I, I my hat's off to him. He's doing a great job, and I, I really think it's only going to get better.
1: I guess it made sense going back to this past weekend to, you know, well, if you're going to be up there, go to both events. where a lot of schools doing the, the Harvard and then BU thing? And was there a major difference in the two events as far as your approach, who was going to enter, that kind of thing?
2: Very much so. Uh, they're two totally different tracks. Uh, yes, they're both banks, but uh, Harvard tends to have uh, tighter banks. Uh, the lanes are a little smaller. Hmm. Uh, and, and the banks aren't quite as high as at Boston. And Boston, uh, I think people are now starting to find out about Boston, Boston. Uh, And for us, you know, coming in and being able to get two meets in one weekend and get a lot of work done uh, in that environment is good for us. And the thing about Boston also, you know, in the stands is standing room only. So uh, especially certain events, uh, they broke the the collegiate record uh, in the DMR uh, on Friday. Um, You know, there was some – I mean, I don't know how many top ten times or distances were posted uh, at Boston Uh, that that track just – It puts out numbers, and then it's one of those places that's going to become harder and harder to get into just simply because of the type of performances that are coming out of there.
1: So that was the one where every five minutes it looked like on Twitter, you guys were breaking some record that stood for 20 years. Even though you just explained part of the circumstance, that's still um, – was that even maybe a little bit beyond what you expected going in?
2: No, because I think we are starting to kind of figure out who we are. Hmm. Uh, We have a long way to go. As a team and to continue to establish the culture, we want to have sustained success, but we're now starting to have some folks who really, really want to run, jump and throw, uh, and who want to represent this university at a high level and put it in a place where people know you can come here and get it done at the University of South Florida. We're not going to run from anybody. We will go to any competition we need to go to. We'll take our licks now, but sooner or later we'll start hitting back. So that's the philosophy we want to have. We're not going to shy away from competition.
1: And we'll pause the conversation there and continue it tomorrow along with three of his record breakers from this past couple of weeks, including a couple of transfers, Janiah Burton. She's out of Orlando, spent a year at Louisville. On the men's side, Javoy Reed, a junior college transfer and another bull who hails from Jamaica. And a more familiar name, Arden LaRose, who you probably know as a soccer goalkeeper, but has been setting distance marks. In the early indoor track and field season. And speaking of competition, we'll give you a little taste. The Bulls are hosting two outdoor meets in the spring along with the conference meet. Uh, And that competition will include defending national champion Texas coming to Tampa. Yeah, some serious stuff going on with track and field. And again, we are going to give you more and more conversations with their individuals starting with a trio of them tomorrow. But we got to get to softball because they play tonight, and before we get to tonight's actual matchup against Michigan, which by the way is coming to Tampa just to play this one game, and then we'll head to Leesburg for another event, while the Bulls will continue on with five more games this weekend, culminating with one against the Gators. Let's talk to a couple of their catchers, one that has been so good in her first two seasons with the Bulls, Josie Foreman, starting right away as a freshman, and then Emma Humplick, famously put on a batting practice display, jacking out homer after homer with her dad pitching, and it garnered millions of views on YouTube. Now, she comes to USF with a little clout, yet to get that first home run as a freshman, but a little bit of that was due to the fact that Josie Foreman is the starting catcher and wasn't going to be sitting out many games with her relationship with Georgina Corrick. No more Coric for the Bulls, but plenty of pitchers. That's among the things we talked to Josie Foreman about. By the way, she had eight home runs last season, and we'll follow that up with Emma.
0: Do you practice the trot? I would say like during BP, we go, and then like, I kind of stop on third and you know, go back around and then continue to hit. (laughs) (laughs) Really? I like to practice my home run trot, (laughs) because coach likes us to do it a lot quicker. So I'm like, okay, I kind of got to jog this one a little bit faster. I can't do, I can't go too slow, so.
1: (laughs) There, you've hit some no doubters. I remember the one against Mississippi State. Underneath, and that one is, if it's fair, way out of here it is. My goodness, another rise ball. The only thing rising is the ball out of the park, and the Bulls fans to their feet. It's four to nothing. Whoa, she destroyed that ball. The Bulls are putting their slugging shoes on here in Tallahassee. They had the hit it here sign way <laughs> out in the parking garage, and you actually took aim at it. I think you you said you you actually took did. that as
0: motivation. I did. In our um, press conference afterwards, they were like, what, were you, what was going through your mind? And I was like, well, she's a rise ball pitcher, which is what I like. And I saw the hit it here sign, so why not put the two together and <laughs> hit it there?
1: Are you telling people that if they want to, I'm not telling people what they need to do, but if somebody wanted to make a sign, a Bulls fan... Put hit it here, Josie, even, w- would you advise that that be something that would motivate you and go ahead and do it? Probably. All right, good. Yeah. Hey, I've always been impressed, obviously, maybe not everybody knows this, with how you, as a freshman, started calling the games with Georgina Corrick. I know that relationship is not there on the diamond anymore, but uh, I'm guessing you guys are, you know, still friends. Take us through that whole thing.
0: Oh, yeah. So it's nice to have George on the side, and she's always continuing to teach us, and Help us get better, and it's just a, a bond that I think will last a long time.
1: On the side, she's she's still trying to hang around you guys as a coach.
0: <laughs> yes, she's a GA, so it's pretty awesome.
1: That is incredible. Is she h- is she jumping in head first? Is she like trying to be over teachy, or is she uh, no. picking her spots?
0: No, she she knows <laughs> what she's
1: doing. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. All right, so maybe you're going to be catching more of a variety of pitchers this year, as opposed to one person, eighty percent or ninety percent of the time. Speak about your staff.
0: Um, we have a very deep staff this year, and I'm really excited to uh, see what they have because they all offset each other very well, and they work with us very well, and they just trust us when calling to pitches, so I think it's going to be really exciting.
1: It's going to be different, right? You, you obviously have an ace. I mean, the ace of the entire Division One softball, in my opinion, so uh, speak about that part of it. Do you have to have an ace pitcher, do you feel, or can you get by with more of a rotation?
0: I think we can 100% get by with more of a rotation. We have, like I said, I think we have eight pitchers. Mm. And, I mean, no one's going to be the specific starter. I don't think so. So I think we're going to have a different pitcher almost every game.
1: Nice. And then last thing, um, I'm not going to pull up your stats. You probably know your (laughs) stats. If you have a great year uh, hitting, we already know you're a great catcher. Forget stolen bases. That's obvious. (laughs) Can you, can you go double-digit home runs? So do you have any sort of goals like that?
0: Um, I do have to say that that is my goal this year. So I know I'm like, Coach, if you're listening to this, no, no, it's not my goal. But that is my goal this year. So Ken,
1: we'll take that part out. <laughs> you didn't hear that. All right, thank you very much. You're going to do it. I know you
0: are. Thank you.
1: Now with fellow catcher Emma Humplick. Guess what I'm going to ask you about. No, I'm not going <laughs> to ask you about the thing that everybody asks you about. T- talk about about your experience, your first year in college. I'm sure you're learning a lot, not just in class, but in softball. But take us through it from your point of view.
3: Uh, so <laughs> being far away from home is definitely one of the hardest parts of moving to Florida. Hmm. But softball just kind of keeps everything in the flow.
1: Softball keeps it flowing. So that that's your like your comfort zone. Yes. What else helped make you comfortable last year? Like were certain teammates? Coaches? Yes, Peyton Dixon. Really?
3: Yes. She's just very understanding about everything and listens to anything I have to say so she just makes she's also out of state so we just kind of relate on that level too I feel like um she's just a good person in my life.
1: Orange, Texas by the way um uh, point me in the direction of where that is because I've been to Texas a lot I kind of know the geography but Um, never been to Orange.
3: Far far southeast Texas. Okay. So right on the border of Louisiana. Got it. Is The easiest way to describe it.
1: No I, I get it and so we just finished up the wife and I have Friday night lights so uh, I mean high school football but was was it not that crazy in southeastern Texas
3: no but it's still a lot of people like to think of Texas football it's like a magical place to be just because it's so like hype like everything is I don't even know it's just (laughs) my brother is a senior actually and he just got offered a bunch of college things so
1: but you Texas
3: football is definitely very but it
1: sounds like you're not you're not swept up in it or are you
3: uh, I was in high school, not okay. no more. But <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, last thing. Are we going to see some uh, moonshots over the fence this year? Uh, what, what have you been working on?
3: That's definitely the hope. I've been working very hard, so that's the goal. Excellent.
1: We look forward to seeing it. Emmett.
0: Thank you.
3: Thank you.
1: I know Josie Foreman's going to slot in the middle of the lineup. I know that Megan's Sheehan and Pierre will probably be at the top, and after that, it is a guessing game. Ken Erickson knows the answers. He talked to Joey Johnston about the depth of the lineup, and, of course, pitching is going to be a little bit committee-like, so we'll find out together how they perform against Michigan. Now, the Wolverines are going to be lost. They don't have their all-time winning as head coach in NCAA softball history anymore. That's Carol Hutchins, who retired after 29 years. Who is this Bonnie Thole that's there? Oh, Bonnie Thole was Carol Hutchins, again, the NCAA all-time leader and wins assistant for all 29 years. Michigan brings back 12 players from its 38-18 and 18 team, in those 29 years, by the way, the last 27, they made the NCAA tournament. They've added some decent pieces, like an outfielder, Ella Mattaya, who hit three seventy-three for Boston College a couple years back, and two pitchers, Hannah George out of North Carolina and Jessica LeBeau, who was an all-MAC conference performer in the circle at Kent State. Four nationally ranked prospects among their six freshmen, so yeah, they're going to be good. Three of their top five hitters are back. Lexi Blair, who hit 338 last year and is a three time All Big Ten first teamer. Now, they did graduate their top two pitchers. In fact, Megan Bobian and Alex Storocco were basically co aces. Ironically, Lauren Durkowski, who is the third pitcher last year, actually is the one that the Bulls faced and beat. Jose Foreman Homer off offer her, I would guess, Durkowski pitches tonight. We'll be on the air at 6 o'clock. Now, here's a little bit of baseball head coach Billy Mole on the shiny new infield turf obviously it's going to play the same every single day when you show up here you bring a recruit out here the field looks great all the time um you know putting the simple thing of putting the ground screw putting lines down every day now they don't have to do that freeze them up to do other things um but you know the turf mounds that's something we went with and you know you don't have to worry about rain or anything impeding them so you always have them available to you we got nine mounds um So it's just, it's been great. We we get a lot more done than we usually do with a natural surface. Baseball season begins next Friday, so you'll hear more of Coach Moll's comments, some position changes, some questions on the pitching staff, and
2: more. But it's softball time tonight. Again, we'll be on the air at 6. Thanks for listening. I'm Derek Sharp.